between uh, the schedule shift. Uh, so next week we will continue in, um, in our study of uh, spiritual warfare and uh, the spiritual armor specifically. And then the week after that, which is Memorial Day weekend, May 27th, uh, I want to encourage you to still come at the nine o'clock hour, and I'm going to make a, a, a more elongated uh, announcement during the uh, announcement time, so I won't go into it now. But briefly, we're going to have a, a family meeting uh, two weeks from today during this discipleship hour. And so next week, we will uh, continue spiritual warfare. The week after Memorial Day weekend, we'll hit the pause button for a moment. Um, and uh, the reason for that family meeting uh, is primarily uh, to talk, uh, to revisit uh, the, some of the mission vision stuff, and I'll talk more about that again in the announcement times. Uh, but that'll be a significant time to come, and then the first two weeks of June um, uh, will be the last two weeks of our spiritual warfare class. And those two weeks will be led, Lord willing, uh, by Theo. And uh, he'll jump up here in my absence because two weeks from today, on Memorial Day weekend, that family meeting weekend is my last, uh, my last Sunday with you for a while before I go on sabbatical. So that's the schedule change. Just wanted you to be aware of the big picture uh, before we dive in today. Um, always want to review and just talk about where we've been, uh, especially if some of you have jumped in and haven't been here in a couple weeks uh, or at all. We're glad that you're here. We've been talking uh, in this class about spiritual warfare. Uh, we've been talking about the reality that what we see and how we interact on a horizontal level with one another is not all there is, that there are other things at play, there are other powers and principalities at work, and they are at work for our harm and for the marring of God's glory. That's ultimately, I think, what they are after. And so part of this class, uh, as we uh, have thought about and planned this class, um, or excuse me, the last trimester, the last, you know, these last three classes, or th excuse me, three semesters that we've studied. One of the reasons we wanted to talk about spiritual warfare is simply to gain an awareness, and I prayed to that end just a moment ago, that if, if you learn nothing else from this class at the end of it, then simply being more aware in that Sunday morning conflict with your spouse, being more aware of those night terrors that are plaguing your children, being more aware of that relationship at work which seems to bring out the worst in you and bubble up that sin that's hiding out in your heart, being aware that there is more at play than just your flesh and just the brokenness of our world. Yes, there's the flesh. Yes, there's the world. But there's also a grand designer, not the grandest of designers, that's the Lord and His sovereignty who holds Satan on a leash, but that there is a designer behind those things who is calculated and cold 
and is working against you and against the glory of God. And so just walking out with a greater awareness. And what, what is that awareness going to create in you? It's not going to create fear because you know that the victory is yours in Christ. What it's going to create is greater dependence. That's going to actually touch on where we're going this morning with the church at Sardis because I think that's part of what the Lord's frustration with Sardis was. We'll talk more about that and dig a little deeper. So awareness is really what we're after uh, in this class. And, and I hope you learn a few things along the way about what does or doesn't exist in regards to demons or angels or how Satan works or how we combat him. But awareness is really what uh, we are wanting, what I'm wanting for us to grow in uh, as we leave this class. So we talked about standing, holding ground that's already been won, and that standing is not something that happens necessarily in these, in these uh, flashy points in our lives, these incredible, incredibly memorable and unique uh, moments of spiritual warfare. Sometimes that happens. We've talked about some of those stories. You have some of those stories. But the standing happens in the mundane. It happens in the the Saturday night, the Monday morning, the Tuesday lunch, um, the everyday of life. And then lately, the last couple of weeks, we've been picking apart the armor of God, taking the classic passage that the Scripture gives us concerning uh, our fight, Ephesians chapter 6, and we've been picking apart, thinking about the nuances of each uh, part of the armor. And you know, we don't really know, as Paul put together this imagery based both upon the Old Testament picture of the divine warrior of Jesus, as well as the Roman soldiers, which everybody saw around them and he saw in a Roman prison. You know, I'm not sure Paul, well, we don't know. I mean, the Holy Spirit obviously inspired Paul's words. He breathed life into these words. So we know that there's more to them than just the, the, the craftiness of Paul and his literary skill. But I don't know how much Paul was intending us to really, you know, isolate these, place, these pieces of armor and really just pick them apart as much as, as possible. The reality is the Roman soldier doesn't, he didn't go out with one piece of armor. He goes out with the entire, the entire uh, uniform of armor. And so there's been a lot and there will continue to be a lot of overlap uh, in this kind of picking a part of armor that we've been doing. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of um, redundancy as well. And so I don't want to overplay uh, kind of walking through, but I also want to recognize that this is God's Word and that there's riches here and depth here that we don't just, we, we, we don't see on a first reading, on a second reading, on a 176th reading. And so uh, these are familiar passages or familiar concepts to you, uh, but hopefully we are, we are uh, mining the riches of God's Word. So um, the belt of truth is something we've looked, we looked at a, a couple weeks ago or last week, and the breastplate of righteousness. And today we're going to go, uh, Lord willing, we're going to move on to two more pieces of armor uh, but before I do that, I wanted to talk uh, about, um, and I did this, I flip-flopped this because I was worried that we wouldn't get to this. 
Not that I'm not worried we won't get to the armor, but I think it's easier to catch up in that regard. Um, I want to talk about, uh, we've been kind of loosely, very loosely, <laughs> following this book, uh, The Invisible War by Chip Ingram. And uh, some of you may have been following along. I realized uh, this week in my study that I, told, I should have told you to read chapter 10 as well for today. Uh, maybe some of you recognize that and went ahead. If not, no big deal. Next week, you can read 10, 11, and 12, and that's where we'll be next week um, if you're following along in that book. But in chapter 9 of this book, one of the things that he does, which I think is helpful, and I wonder if you think it's helpful, one of the things that he does is um, he talks about the seasons of our lives. I think that's a word I use, not necessarily a word that he used. A se- the seasons of our lives where we are more open, susceptible to spiritual attack. Seasons of our lives where we are, uh, quote unquote, uh, on the radar more of Satan. And I think, uh, I, think it was, I think it was a helpful section. Um, and I wondered if you thought it was a helpful section as well. And so I just wanted to talk about these five seasons, times to be acutely aware of your own vulnerability. And the reason I think this is so helpful for us is just we, we hear a lot in our world about the need for, for tightened security, right? Events happen, oh, we need to tighten security a bit. Um, I think in our lives, not to say that we're ever laissez-faire about spiritual warfare and about the spiritual enemy who seeks to devour us. Like I said, this is about awareness, <laughs> this entire class. But I do think that there are seasons in our lives where we need to double down, where we need to tighten security. And as I was reading these in chapter 9 and I was thinking about them, all these things in my own experience came to mind in terms of, yeah, I can exactly see, I can see what's happening. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this and I've got some some real life stories of my own uh, for some of these, and I wonder if some of you uh, have some of these real life stories as well. And so I'm going to open this up to, uh, to comment, uh, to mutual edification and sharpening of one another, uh, lest it be just Nate uh, talking up here the entire time. The first season he talks about where spiritual gr- attack can be expected is in times of spiritual growth, times of spiritual growth. And I think this is, although he focuses, I believe, in the reading more on individual spiritual growth in your lives, I think it applies to our corporate life as well, maybe, maybe more so. I mean, I've been thinking corporately, I've been encouraging and prodding you to think corporately as we've walked through the churches of Revelation, as we've thought about our corporate identity And yes, a lot of those principles that are given to the church corporate, they trickle down into your families. They trickle down into the individual lives and your individual walks with Christ. But times of spiritual growth, 
when your marriage is thriving, when you're having breakthroughs in relationship with your kids, when you're having breakthroughs in terms of your own addictions or your own sinful tendencies, corporately when, when churches are, are growing or adding to their midst in times of, of peace, that's, you know, that whole idea of, of two steps forward, two steps back. I love our session. I love the men who the Lord has called to lead this church. And one of the things that, that we uh, have been really aware of, and I don't know who specifically has brought it up, but I know that it's been outside of me. It's been these other guys who have at times said, okay, we need to watch out. Because things have been going really well <laughs> in terms of finances are stable, new families have been coming, relative peace in our midst, visitors popping in our doors here and there, increased involvement with ministries that we believe in in our community. We need to watch out because the Lord's doing good things. And that's exactly what the enemy doesn't want. And so times of spiritual growth is a time corporately, individually, where the antennas go up, doubling down, tightening of security, tightening of dependence. Let me go through another couple and then I'll give you an opportunity. New territory, that's the second one, uh, second season or maybe uh, circumstance where spiritual attack can be uh, expected. Um, he brings up uh, some of the mission stories. You know, we hear a lot and we've talked a little bit about these mission stories as the gospel invades a culture that it has not previously invaded. And boy, things get stirred up. And I think in order... You know, if you're scratching, well, I'm not so sure that's true. That's maybe sensationalized. Well, what happened when Jesus came on the scene? When Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh, walked this earth? Did things get stirred up a bit in regards to spiritual territory? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All hell broke loose, literally. And... Um, you know, even the, even the, the story of, of the, the Gerasene demoniac and, and one of the things about that story which Mike asked a couple weeks ago was, um, you know, why they didn't, whether they're pleading with the Son of God to not cast them out and there's some dispute about whether they were worried about being cast into the lake of fire to be, you know, disposed of or whether they were worried about being cast out of that region where they were just having a heyday. And so, I think new territory uh, is a season, um, and, and this doesn't apply just necessarily with, uh, with those who are on the mission field, but even with us who send people on the mission field. Um, bracing ourselves, them, bathing them in prayer, knowing for what they might face. And, and one of the things that came to mind um, in regards to spiritual territory is 
the planting of this church. Back in 07, it's before my time, but I've heard the stories. You could ask Bob Miller about the stories. He doesn't want to talk about them, but you could ask him about them, about some of the how, how would I word it? Some of the difficulty, and I think in hindsight, some of the absolute spiritual assault on the people of God. Some of you were a part of them. Some of you weren't. But a, an absolute assault on the people of God who made the commitment to come to this church and to launch this church in the northern part of the city and how the enemy and the forces of evil reacted to that. And it, it didn't happen in, in dreams or in crazy people coming and levitating in services. No, it happened in relationships. It happened in the straining of, well, I won't go into all the details, but it was difficult. And by God's grace, and as a testament to God's glory and His strength and power, uh, ascension survived and thrived and waded through it. Uh, but that's one of the things that came to my mind as I was reading this uh, season of new territory. Um, and I think any planting of churches, I mean, you ask any, um, any church planner, um, had lunch with Brant Bosserman planting Trinitas uh, a couple weeks ago. They're struggling. Enemy does not want that church. They're struggling. New territory. Lastly, exposing the enemy. And lastly, I'm gonna, and then I'm going to stop and open it up because um, there's five, but this is only three. Uh, th- the third one is exposing the enemy. And the, the thing that immediately came to mind was, was uh, Theo and my vigilance in prayer as we prepared for this class, as we thought through this class. And even as we began to feel, we began to feel spiritual, physical assault. Knowing that whenever these things are just out in the open, that that's not something that the enemy wants. He doesn't want you to be aware. He wants you to be clueless. And so that's another season of exposing the enemy gets you on the radar of spiritual attack. Any, any uh, comments, questions, stories that, that want to be shared? I just don't want to keep going. I can keep going. Uh, but I want to give you an opportunity if, you wanna, if anybody wants to speak or share. Brett.
Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, one only needs to think about Jesus' words to his, one of his closest confidants, right? Get behind me, Satan. Peter, well-intentioned, loved his Savior, and yet was being used in his well-intentions. Um, I think that's an example of... Uh, not to pat you on the back, because I know that's not what you're looking for, but a circumstance where, you know, submitting yourself and opening yourself up to the counsel of, uh, you know, a wider body uh, in terms of not just digging your heels in and saying, no, I'm right, I'm right, I know I'm right. doesn't matter what you guys think. I stand for righteousness, uh, but allowing others to speak and to, to call you down, so to speak. Theo, did you want to say something? Wow. Wow, powerful story. Yeah, everyone wants to talk to Linda now. <laughs> Any other comments? The two final uh, seasons where spiritual attack can be expected that he draws out is, uh, number four is breaking with the world. And this is just the reality that putting off the old self, uh, it's not easy. Um, and anyone who has, uh, I'm a covenant kid, I grew up in the church, uh, never knew a day when I didn't look to the Lord as my God. Um, but I know some of you have come from difficult paths. Um, I know if Doug, if Doug were sitting there, he'd be shaking his head because he said it a couple times. 25 years of living a godless life uh, still haunts him. But just the idea of moving away from, from patterns. And um, boy, the, the evil one loves to just bring those old things up. And I, 
one of the things I thought about in my own experience in regards to this season was two young men in San Diego in my pre, pr- prior ministry um, who I had the privilege of, of discipling, um, and they were, um, they were troubled young men, um, both struggling with, with addiction uh, to cocaine, and um, it was a hard season. Met with them for um, quite a long time, and it was just constant two steps forward, three steps back. And um, it was just hard. And and they never got away from it. They never got away from it. They're both both dead now. Um, And these guys were both, when I was discipling them, they were both around 20. Um, And uh, just really troubled. Uh, I have confidence, uh, some measure of confidence that, that one of the guys, even in his struggle and his relapse and his um, constantly being assaulted with his old patterns, understood the gospel and uh, knew the Lord. Um, the other one, I'm not so sure, but um, breaking with the world is a season where the enemy loves um, to attack and to accuse. And then lastly, uh, blessings to come. And this was an interesting one. Uh, I, I just have a quote here to explain this one. He says, unexplained spiritual opposition can be an excellent indicator that God has something very special around the corner. And so just that recognition that, um, yeah, bring it on. You got to be scared of something. I don't know what you're scared of, but bring it on in order that God's glory might be, might be seen and might be shown. Um, so anyway, blessings to come. So those are the five seasons of uh, when spiritual attack can be expected, and I thought they were helpful. Uh, they brought to mind quite a few things in my own experience, and maybe they did to yours as well, even if you didn't share. Well, let's run through uh, the last pieces of armor real quick, and uh, the first one, um, going back to Ephesians chapter 6, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Maybe helpful for me, though, um, to just read the entirety of the, the passage to get the other pieces back in our head. Um, Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Maybe that passage uh, reminds you of an Old Testament passage Um, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Of course, the gospel of peace, the shoes of peace, are ultimately the person and work of Christ, Through Him we have peace 
with God, we would say, Romans 5.1, therefore since we have been justified, we have peace with God, but we also have the peace of God, right? So it's peace with God, it's peace of God. Philippians 4, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is a battle for the mind, so that's important, that's significant. So what are these shoes of peace, boots of peace? Well, the key word is stability. The key word for the boots of peace is stability. These are not running shoes. These are war boots. These are open-toed leather boots that would come up the calves, that would have nail-studded soles. Think about the cleats of an offensive lineman, right? They're, they're, high tap, they're high tops. They got spikes that go into the ground. Why? Because an offensive lineman hunkers down and, and protects his quarterback from the frontal assault of the defense. And what does he need? He needs, he needs feet that are stable. He needs a foundation and a footing that is stable and doesn't slip in the midst of battle. And so how does the gospel of peace, how do the shoes of peace then do that in the midst of of battle? Well, two ways. One, as we ourselves, and this is where there's a lot of overlap because we're about to talk about the shield of faith, right? There's a lot of overlap in these pieces of armor. We're just kind of picking out nuances and, and using the picture as vividly as we can in our minds for our memories, for our digestion, But as we trust the objective realities of the gospel of peace, our identity in who we are in Christ, our assurance as those who have the Holy Spirit, the goodness of our Father in all things that come our way. As we trust in those objective realities rather than our subjective feelings, rather than the ever-changing circumstances of our lives, we become grounded, right? That foundation, that footing, that stability really finds its place. But there's a second aspect, because flowing from that, there will inevitably be, to some degree, Not all of us have the gift of evangelism, and not all of us are incredibly relational and extroverted, and that's okay, but there will inevitably be some sort of overflow, some sort of sharing. Another book I was reading had this quote, the more securely we grip and understand the gospel of peace, the more enthusiastically we will be in communicating it. And so in some way, I think one of the ways we can apply this to our lives and think about it is not just yeah, dig down, you drill down on those stable gospel promises, but actually the, the doing, the proclaiming, the walking in the gospel of peace, the, the speaking of the gospel of peace actually goes, goes into creating that stability. Has anyone had that experience 
of your own stability, your own faith in the gospel, confidence in the gospel, being solidified, encouraged, affirmed, deepened through your proclamation of that gospel. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think those, you know, Emily's a counselor, is training to be a counselor. I think those in counseling capacities, those in pastoral capacities, you know, I think my confidence in the gospel um my stability in the gospel is encouraged as I see the power of the gospel. Not necessarily through my proclamation, maybe in part through my proclamation of the gospel, but seeing the power of the gospel of, the, of peace in, in transforming and, and doing its work in the lives of, of individuals and seeing them go from point A to point B. Like, yeah, this works. Not, not that it's all about this, you know, it, it working, but the gospel of peace has power. And, and when, you, when you speak that, when you see the effects of that, man, stabilize you even more. So, someone, was that you, Whitney? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. For some reason, a, a sermon that Bram Bosserman preached in this church just popped into my head. Bram Bosserman, who's the pastor of Trinitas um, in Mill Creek, was they were members here before they went to plant that church. And I remember him preaching a sermon one time. Upon, he was talking about gospel speech. And you were talking about the power of, of proclaiming, of speaking peace over, over a house and I remember him talking about our, how our vernacular, how our lingo, how our language and our relationship needs to recognize the power of our words and the power of speaking peace over one another. You know, we have all these taglines that, uh, that, um, that we use that for me, and I think for a lot of that use them, are not throwaway lines. Whenever I get an email from, from Bob, it's always signed grace. Whenever I send an email, I usually use Paul's grace and peace to you. And those aren't just, you know, sincerely or uh, thanks or, you know, those, those are more throwaway 
uh, lines, but when we speak words of peace, of grace, gospel words over one another, which we ought to do more of, that, that, that's a powerful, it's a powerful thing. Any other comments? Okay, well, one last, uh, one last, and we're, well, yeah, let's just go through this real quick. Um, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Why does the ESV translate it as darts? I don't know. It's such a kind of, I think of like darts in my garage. Uh, we're like flaming arrows, like think steel, razor sharp things coming at you. I mean, this is a great image of the evil one volleying things. We've all seen, thanks to Hollywood and thanks to those movies, we've all seen these, these volleys of flaming arrows. It's interesting, he adds the word flaming arrows, right? The enemy sends all of these things at you. And, and the picture that Paul gives you is not like the Captain America shield that's on your arm. That was one of the shields that the Roman soldiers could use if they wanted to be mobile. This isn't the Captain America shield on your arm. This is like, think like a door, right? This is like four and a half feet tall, two and a half feet wide. This is something that you can completely hide behind, if you've seen those movies, something that you can link with those around you. And you just, man, you just hide behind this thing and let all of the flaming, not darts, but razor sharp arrows designed to cut your soul, let them just bang, hit this thing and fall to the ground. What are the flaming arrows? The flaming arrows of, of lust, of addiction, of pride, of anger. I mean, you name it. We've, we've talked about some of these things. The shield of faith, which again, we just talked about the gospel of peace and how those, those, those realities, those objective realities, ground us in the same way, overlapping, being redundant. The shield of faith, looking at believing who God's character is, who believing God's promises, what does he hold out for me, how does he view me, believing God's purposes, how is he at work in this cancer, like literal cancer, how is he wor at work in this dysfunctional relationship, Th those, those things all comprise the shield of faith. And this is not a, uh, this is not a, well, you just got to believe. No, it's just a, it's a reminder that even for those of, of weak faith, it's, it's why we come here. It's why we live in community. It's why we speak to one another. It's why we link our shields and, hey, come hide behind mine. You dropped yours, come hide behind mine. There's room behind mine. Right, so the shield of faith is, don't, don't come out of here thinking, oh man, I just need to have more faith. That's not the point. The point is believe these promises, but when you're weak to believe, man, look around. It's part of the beauty of the body of Christ. Well, we need to, we need to quit. Uh, let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, these great pictures that you have given us through your servant, Paul, and through your spirit. Father, I pray that you uh, would um, enlarge and deepen these 
these pictures and these realities in our lives, many of these are familiar to so many of us, but may we think about them in a new way. May we have a, a greater awareness uh, that we um, would increasingly stand firm in the strength that you give. Father, thank you for this time together. Be with us now as we turn our hearts and our attention uh, to worship. May you be exalted. May you be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.